morning, everybody. Golf show here. Brent Gunning, Sam McKee alongside me. Fired up. Plenty to talk about in the world of golf. But, I mean, it's a lovely day in the GTA, so you know where we're starting off. Uh, you know, resident meteorologist Sam McKee. <clears throat> how are you doing this morning, buddy? I'm doing spectacular today. Um, I just wanted to say that just a quick, you know, an ode to the uh, old uh, host of this show, Scott Metcalf, who uh, retired this year. He always used to, I used to produce a show back when I was very green producing um, at, at Sportsnet 590 The Fan and 680 News. And he always used to start off the show with the most beautiful weather report. And he would talk about how the weather is just spectacular for golf or it's not good for golf. Or it's going to be a hot day with the chance of rain, the humidity, everything. He'd nail it. But I'm not going to do all that. What I am going to do is I'm going to say I went outside this morning to have my first couple sips of coffee just to kind of get a feel for the day. It's going to be a downright spectacular day today for golf. If you have a tea time, you're in heaven today. It's a nice Saturday. You get out there with, you know, with your foursome, with the ladies, with the boys. Get out there. Have a few beers. Enjoy yourself because it's going to be a perfect day for golf. 24 and sunny. That storm really broke the humidity yesterday. So, it's going to be perfect, so enjoy yourself out there today. Enjoy the, I'm heading up to uh, Own Sound after our show. I'm going up there to uh, play a little golf with my parents, going to play Legacy Ridge, my home course in Own Sound, which I shot a 78 at last time I played there, so not a big deal, bud. There you go. Uh, well, well done for you with the sticks. Well done for you with the weather report there. And uh, hopefully, if you are headed out, you uh, let us know where you're playing. 590, 590. Hit us up on the text line. We'd love to shout a few of you out uh, before we finish up today. Uh, you know, uh, my my president, as a member of the Canadian Golf Journalists Association, Rick Young. You do. I'm such uh, a for, procrastinator. For shame on you. Uh, he, yep. He'll join us at, at 8.30 today. Lots to kick around there. Obviously, Canadian Olympic team will be kind of front and center. Also, the city of Toronto uh, kicking around some golf surveys. I know he had some opinions that uh, we, we kind of agree with. Uh, we like his take, so we want to get him on to talk about that. Obviously, a lot going on with Bryson as well. And some interesting mm. stuff on the Open. Boy, uh, a lot to dive into there. I mean, I, I believe, you know, uh, Rick Young, president of the Canadian Golf Journalists Association, you may be at least a vice president of the Desham Bros. Do you do you have a comment at this time, uh, Sam McKee? I was going to say, no questions and comments at this time. Look, it's been a tough week for my boy. You know, it's been a tough, tough week. Uh, I Going think we back all, to Sunday. I think we can all agree, Gunner, that caddying for Bryson DeChambeau would not be everyone's cup of tea. Correct? Correct. I think there's a lot more that goes into it than your average caddy. You know, Bryson is a very interesting dude, a uh, lot of math involved, a lot of, you know, wind and, you know, precipitation things, and he's spraying a spray bottle on him at the, you know, at the range. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it. And you guys had Shane Bacon on yesterday on Good Show and uh, with Justin Bourne, and, and we're going to play a portion of that later, but we weren't going to play the part about Bryson. But he did say, you know, I, I, thought, I thought this was more, you know, it happened more often. Than it does, and he was kind of talking about it, and made me think: a guy at the top of his game at this point of his career, with how much money he's making, they don't just split up like this. So there's like everyone saying, "Oh, this is a mutual split," like you know, all this happened, but something happened. There was an explosion here. So somebody was saying some bad words to someone. Somebody stormed out of somewhere. Something very, very dramatic happened. I don't know who's going to be the person to get the scoop. I don't know who's going to be the person to find out. We may not find out until 2031 when uh, Tim Tucker writes a, write, what, he writes a tell-all book about Bryson's early days. But boy, oh boy, 
there's something that happened, and I'm telling you right now, it's juicy. And here, I have to say, I love what Brooks did. You know, this is exactly what we, you know, this is exactly what you want from golf. Brooksy comes out and sends out the caddy appreciation tweet. It gets a kajillion retweets. It gets a kajillion likes. And I just love his com- his commitment to winning that 40 mil, getting that Twitter money. He wants it, and he's he's really playing this up, and that's just brilliant. I, I really loved what he did too. So been a tough week for the uh, DeChambeaus, for the Bryson boys. Uh, just, you know, that is my comment at this time. I'll, I'll let you tee off on Bryson now. Well, I, I am going to tee off in one thing. The caddy thing, I, I echo a lot of what you say. I, I want to get back to that in a second. But if I'm going to if I'm gonna twist the knife just one more time on your okay, guy. Okay, let me have I, it, yep. Like, I have to. It actually is It's just funny because Rocket Mortgage is one of his sponsors. If mm. you've been watching the telecast at all the past couple days, mm-hmm. uh, I, it's very I similar been. vibes to Freddie Anderson in the playoffs. <laughs> uh, well, Jack Hamble was uh, dominating for the Leafs the uh, up into the playoffs on the EA Sports yeah. commercial. And it's like, there's Bryson with some Cobra exec on his bag this week. And it's like, there's a commercial with just Bryson and Tim Tucker sitting there together in the commercial. Uh, yeah, not a good look. Also, uh, Rocket Mortgage, one of his sponsors, and he declined to speak to media both days after missing the cut. Uh, that that's not uh, too too surprising there. The te- his his team has said they want to have a permanent solution in place by the open in a couple of weeks time. I'd figure it out pretty quick because I, as you mentioned, like I can think of few more thankless jobs in the sport than than caddying for I was going to say a guy like Bryson, but there's really not guys like Bryson. There's just him. Like there's not there's not another like it's like caddying for Patrick Reed is his own animal and that's why it's his brother-in-law who does it like it's like that's why he keeps it in the family because you gotta you gotta realize what you're signing up for and with Bryson it's a completely other aspect of it like he can't just go find some looper who like let's say you know not to say a guy like Bones couldn't work with him but it's a different equation than working with a Phil Mickelson, working with a Justin Thomas. It's literally equations. They're talking in science. It's a matter of degrees. And then also one thing that's been kind of fluttering in my mind about this, that, there, again, it's like one of the things that we'll never know. I do wonder if part of this, now I think something else happened to make it happen so suddenly, but I wonder if this split was always kind of coming once they decided to get rid of the greens books. Because for a guy like Bryson, who is so used to, if I just, like, how many times have we seen the reaction from him of, no, I, I hit the putt exactly where I was supposed to, and it didn't go in the hole. That's not, like, fair to me. I hit it where I was supposed to. And I do wonder if getting rid of these greens books, where it is more of guessing, more of your eyes, more of course history and knowledge, Tucker doesn't want to be on the hook for when Bryson's putting takes a dive after not having these green books. And that's not to say it's just going to be him. There are going to be plenty of guys who struggle with that. But for a guy who's as precise and knowledge-based as Bryson is, I could just see Tim Tucker saying, his caddy saying, no, you know what, I don't want to be the guy who wears the goat horns for that. Can we just so quickly just circle on the, 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 the greens book thing just to quickly discuss? Yeah. Do you – why is it just because pace of play or like it's a unfair advantage? Like I don't understand why they're get these they the scores are too low. Like is this so something my understanding, is this really a priority? My understanding is it was a player driven thing. Like the players kind of took a vote on it and it was something they the majority of players wanted. They all again, hate Bryson. Yeah, well again, right? Like it's obviously going to affect some guys more than other. Now I will say I kind of like the now it's been part of the game for however long. I don't think you need to get rid of it. 
But I mean, you and I are both on the same page that we cannot stand seeing guys, you know, do whatever you want, your practice rounds. But I don't want to see a laser out there during tournament rounds. And it just feels to me like, yeah, that's kind of part and partial with lasering off different distances. It's like, yeah, part of it is stepping off your yardages. That's part of golf at that level. And to me, now that I think about it, not having the greens book is just part of it. That's the whole thing why he struggled at Augusta. They don't give them to you there. And you have to have the course history. You have to have the knowledge. So I, I, I just think it's interesting for that. So now I just want to, like you mentioned, we're heading to the Open next weekend, which... Oh, two baby. weekends. I screwed two weekends? Up. Not two next weekends? Weekend. Sorry. Not My bad. Weekend. I honestly, if I was Bryce, I'd just skip it. Just skip it, man. You're heading over there. Got no caddy. You're going to go over there and, like, you think the American guys that are out there are tough. Those drunken Brits, man, like they are going to be all over him every swing. There's, there's, I mark my words. There is going to be an international incident with Bryson at the at the <laughs> Open. I really feel as though someone's going to say something to him. He's going to, you know, he's going to hit a bad shot. Someone's going to say something to him over on the in the right rough. He's going to have him kicked out. He's going to be killed on Twitter for it. Like something's going to happen over there because those those guys, girls over there, they don't they don't mess around when it comes to chirping. Like I mean, you watch those soccer games. You see the passion they have. You see like they're borderline running onto the field after England beat Germany. There is going to be some uh, yelling involved. So Bryson, maybe just take a couple weeks off. But guess what? Doesn't have it in him. All he cares about is golf. All he cares about is winning. So he's going to be out there with some poor Puma rep just berating him, being like, how did you not know the equation? With He's like, you not bring my protractor? So we'll see how it goes. But, boy, it's it's like as much as it's bad for Tim Tucker and personal and, like, you know, these relationships, it's great for the game. It's got people talking. You know, everybody loves it. Brooks gets another chance to tee off on him, the everyman Brooks. Like, it really, really, really is a great story for golf. And we'll see how, how Bryson responds. I, I really hope that he doesn't take too big a crap after the green books are gone because, you know, it, if he's pretty dependent on it, I think he does have pretty good touch. I think it's underrated how good a touch and feel he has around the greens. But we'll see what it's like without the greens books. But, yeah, what a story, man. It just gets, keeps getting better for Bryson. I mean, we, we talk about him because of how well he hits the ball and how far he drives it but he wouldn't have won at Wingfoot the way he did last year if that putter wasn't smoking hot. Like, it's like it we, we, don't, we truly don't give him enough credit for how hot that thing can get. Again, I'm, I'm curious to see. I don't, I'm not saying the, green, the lack of green books are going to nuke him and he's going to go completely in the tank. I think it's possible, but I think sure. the one thing, and, I, you know, obviously you hear this chat, you know where I stand on, on Bryson. I think the one thing I'd say about him is he has proven an ability throughout his career to adapt and change. Sometimes you're wondering why he's doing it that way, but I mean, this is a guy who like stood facing the hole when like side saddle putting when he first came on tour. Like it's just it is wild the different things you've seen. Uh, lastly, on the caddy thing for him, I think his only move, his only saving grace. They want a permanent solution. I say bollocks to that. You've got to go and get yourself a guy from Sandwich, Kent, England, which is where Royal St. George's mm. Golf Club is. It's the only move. Just get yourself a guy named Patrick or, I don't know, other great English That's names. A, I actually like that move. Like, and just kind of go back to the roots of the game. Don't think ha- about but it. it has to be like a home, home. It can't be a guy like from the area. It's like he had to have been birthed in the pro shop, like as close <laughs> as you can get. And that's his only move to keep people uh, off bay for him. You know, you mentioned uh, you mentioned him skipping the open as, a, as a, an idea. That's not an idea. It's actually happening for a couple of guys. Uh, Siwoo Kim, Sung J.M. I mean, first things first, uh, we don't talk about him enough. Our boy. 
you you like Bryson. I'm not a fan so much, but if there's one thing our, our Venn diagram becomes just two overlapping circles, it is definitely our boy Sung Jae. We have a lot, oh, a lot of Sung time Jay. for the South Korean GOAT. And uh, him and Siwoo are not going to tee it up at the Open in order to prep for the Olympics. Now, I think you're like me. I don't think you realize the significance of why, because my first gut reaction was, look, boys, I love the Olympics, and I love that you love your country, but this seems nuts. I mean, you, you had to have the same reaction there. Yes, I did, until I saw the second tweet. Yeah, and then the reason for that is because if they're able to get any semblance of medal at the Olympics, that absolves them of their two-year mandatory South Korean military service that they will have to enter in sometime soon. And this is not just an abstract thing. Like, this actually happened. I don't know if the name will be all that familiar to you guys. Sang Moon Bay, the guy was yep. on the President's Cup team, and one of the last professional golf shows. It was the saddest thing I've ever seen in my life. It was one of these, like, it was, uh, it, you would think Stanley Thompson designed it over, in, over at the President's Cup in, in Asia. You would have thought because it had the super elevated 18th green, and he was short of it, and he chipped it right to the cusp of the green, and it rolled back to his feet, and that was one of the last professional golf shots he ever hit before going into the military. So, look, you know I will be pulling for our great Canadian men and women, but if, if, if Mac and Connors can't get it done on the men's yeah. side, I'd be very happy to see one of those guys uh, take care of business and absolve themselves from mandatory military service. So here's the thing, though. i got to ask you this. What preps you better than playing in one of the majors? Like, are you just going to be grinding around a green all day long, just chipping and putting and hitting drives on the range? Like, what's the difference between pre – like, I mean, we're, we're – I know we're just regular dudes, but, like, the range is where I, you know, think I'm the best player ever, and then I go out on the on – the, the, go out, and I'm like, oh, wow, I still stink. Like, those guys are going to be, what, hitting shots on the range or going to the courses over there and playing, like, getting, getting the feel for that? I, I don't understand how not playing in a major wouldn't prep you better for playing in a high-stakes Olympics. I think it's I think it's the style of golf. I think that normally I'm not so sure about Siwoo, but I'm pretty sure Sung Jay is a guy who normally plays the Scottish or Irish Open ahead of time as well. So I think that it's just a matter of it's going to be a completely different planet playing golf in Tokyo for the Olympics than it would be playing in blusterly Ireland and England and Scotland. So that that's why I think it's just a for guys who probably I would imagine I don't want to speak for either of them. I'd imagine they're not overtly comfortable with link style golf. It probably kind of takes them out of their rhythm. So I would think that would be the, the reasoning why that, that would make a lot of sense to me. Uh, you mentioned the Shane Bacon chat. I do want to uh, sneak that in here. We, we had a chance, me and Justin Bourne, we were filling in on Good Show. Had a chance to talk to Shane Bacon of uh, Golf Channel and the Get a Grip podcast yesterday. Talked about plenty of different things. I'll, uh, I'll let Bourne set it up with his first question. Here's a little bit of Shane Bacon from yesterday on Good Show. Shane, tell me about the evolution of like interpersonal relationships on the tour. Because one one of my the complaints that I hear and, and that I kind of understand is that like it feels like barring this Bryson Brooks stuff that everyone's buddies on the tour now, and that takes away from it. I remember growing up watching golf, and it was like you know Colin Montgomery was was loathed, and it just felt like there was a <laughs> lot of villains. Some people hated Greg Norman. Nick Faldo was too arrogant. You know there was like it felt like there was a lot of black hats and like a limited set of money that guys were really fighting over and now there's so much money i forget who it was that said they finished like 33rd and they're like i'm making a pretty good living here i don't even care kevin but kisner kevin yeah. kisner i love that where he was like guys like i'm rich <laughs> you know <laughs> so tell tell us about that evolution do you think it affects the sport in a positive or negative way it's a weird thing seeing all these guys like chumming around and ha having each other's back i don't want to see that 
Well, uh, yeah, you know, you, you the, the higher up you get in professional sports, I'd say the lonelier, quote-unquote, it is, right? Especially when it's an indiv- individual sure. sport. So, you know, when you're on the Corn Ferry Tour, you're playing European Tour golf, um, you do hang out with your with your peers after rounds, and you do travel with them, and you do share rental cars, and occasionally maybe get a rental house. That is something I'm seeing more now. And what's so interesting is this transition in, in professional golf, especially on the PGA Tour, is it seems like the top stars are trying harder now than they ever have about surrounding themselves with people that are pals, that are friends. And when you think about it, and we started this conversation with the caddy conversation, I was thinking about this this morning. Think about some of the biggest names in the sport. Rory McIlroy has a friend caddying for him. Dustin Johnson has his brother caddying for him. It's not as much about finding the professional caddy to team up with you as much as it is about finding somebody that you're extremely comfortable with that you know will always have your back being on the bag and hoping that they can evolve into a great caddy, right? And that is something that we continue to see. And at the same time, and, you know, Ricky Fowler and Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas and Smiley Kaufman kind of made it go. But, you know, when I talk to these tour players, more and more it's about renting houses with friends and being able to kind of share that experience because mm-hmm. they are the only people that really know what you're going through. So I don't think it's as individualized as it used to be. Because I think outside of a few of the names that really like it to be their camp and their camp only, you're seeing a lot of players opening up their doors and trying to be friendlier with everybody around them. Because, again, you're on the road so much. It is a very lonely sport. Even if you're one of the best players in the world, you know, golf can be very lonely. You're on the road all the time. You're rarely home. Um, Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes you're at the U.S. Open, and sometimes you're at the Rocket Mortgage. And there's no knock to the Rocket Mortgage, but it's not the U.S. Open, and you still got to go out there and do your job. So I think it's been cool to watch this. You know, I do a podcast with Max Homa. You know, Max has a group of guys on tour. He plays a lot of practice rounds with. He hangs out with. He travels with. He talks with. He has text groups with. And uh, and I think it's imperative to make sure that the year seems as normal as it can be because being a famous athlete, a millionaire, you know, very, very prominent on social media, you know, that's not real normal life, right? So anything you can do to try to normalize it helps. And Max is a guy that has a friend of his on his bag that he's been best friends with since he was seven and eight years old. I mean, how how better to be comfortable playing your sport than having that around? You know, Shade, I I was all ready to let you go because this was just a tremendous chat. But then you mentioned Rory McIlroy, and I can't hear the name without sneaking in a question. And it's perfect because you brought up the caddy. (laughs) I've long wondered, and look, it's it's about finding that perfect balance that you just kind of hit on. I I think a lot of what you said makes sense about having a friend on your bag. And it's you know, it's not like these guys are clueless to the game of golf. They all they all played at some semblance of a of a level to be at that place. But you know, it's not lost on me that the McIlroy's biggest success came with JP on the bag. And do you wonder at all? about guys having kind of the other side of that where it's too friendly it's too collegial you know for a guy like Dustin Johnson who's never really known anything else okay maybe that makes sense but for a guy like McElroy who kind of switched streams kind of partway through going from the really experienced caddy to to a more friendly voice what do you make of the kind of dance that that poses to players I'm I'm with you on the Rory part specifically, but I mean I think it's player to player. I think I think Dustin and his brother's relationship actually works perfect for the both of them, and I think we've seen that obviously work to perfection for Rory. Sure. I'm with you. I would just love to see him try. You know, that's the thing I keep talking about with friends of mine in the business, and even on the show occasionally is what would it hurt to give? Let's just say Bones, right? What would it hurt to give Bones a three month run? And you tell your friend Harry listen, I'm going to try this out with this guy that's done this for 30, 40, 50 years. I'm going to try it out, 
and we'll see how it goes. But it's going to be three months, and then we'll reevaluate. But I don't see how, how it could hurt. And, you know, we see guys now in their 40s and 50s winning and winning major championships, you know, with Phil Mickelson doing it at Kiowa. But, Rory, this is the prime. This is the time. This is when you should be winning and winning big events and contending. And we're near eight years since Rory McIlroy won a major championship. I did a wow. deep dive on the leaderboard of that 2014 PGA when Rory won it. In the top ten were names like Steve Stricker and Jim Furyk and Hunter Mahan <laughs> and Miko Ilonen. It's like this isn't the crop we're seeing him have to contend with now. It has been a long time since Rory has really had a great chance at winning a major. I mean, outside of the Masters that he was paired alongside Patrick Reed on and when he hit it close on two and missed that bunny for Eagle, outside of that, we really haven't seen Rory there. And, I mean, to, to think about that, to think about what he did early in his career, I don't understand why you wouldn't change things up. I think about sports and, and teams with coaches. And if this was seven or eight years of having a team with a coach and a franchise and an owner and all those things, there's no way they would just continue to roll out the same group. They would have to change things up. And, uh, and, and in golf, Rory's not doing that. And I would just like to see it again. It's, it's not like you're, you're throwing your friend aside and saying, thanks for your service. It's just simply saying, hey, let's try something different and see if anything changes. And if it doesn't, maybe we'll come back to this comfortable situation. But I would love to see Rory throw somebody else on the bag just for a little bit. No knock to Harry. I'm sure he does an unbelievable job, and he's a great dude. But there, there's just something about changing it up and seeing what the end, end result would look like. There is uh, Shane Bacon yesterday with uh, myself and Justin Bourne on Good Show. Uh, lo- love Shane's work everywhere. Uh, it took everything I own not to talk to him about Fox not having the major rights anymore. Because oh, yeah. his, I mean, look, he does great work with Golf Channel now, but the uh, the work the Fox crew did, uh, it's like th- that's going to be the equivalent of like Anthony Kim's golf career will be the Fox podcast. <laughs> it's like, oh, what was? Wow. We saw that's glimpse of... That's the most of- inside golf joke ever right there. And is there a more is there a better home for it than the golf show? No. I think not. Uh, Sam McKee, uh, Brent Gutty here on the golf show. Uh, always want to hear from you on the text line as well. 590, 590, please include your name and location. And that includes if you're listening at 650 in Vancouver or 960 out in Calgary. Of course, we're on the flagship here at Sportsnet 590, the fan. Coming up next, uh, our buddy, well, he's, he's my president and I've never met him. Uh, Rick Young, president of the Canadian Golf Journalists Association. He'll join us next. Lots to kick around. The Canadian Olympic team is set. We'll get his thoughts on uh, Bryson's breakup. Also, City of Toronto. They put out a survey about golf courses uh, in the city, the city-owned ones. Uh, What should we do with them? I have an idea, a crazy one. Let us play golf on them. Uh, We'll hear more from Rick next as the golf show continues here on Sportsnet 590. The Fan. Sportsnet 590. The Fan. You know, I never want to. I never want to get on someone for doing their job too well. But you can't play a banger like that when I'm coming back from break. I don't want to talk. I just want to listen. Uh, Brent got Sam McKee on the golf show here. Yeah, and McKee's gonna start singing, which I think is even worse than me just just quietly listening. Not not for the ears, just just for a actual professional uh, radio broadcaster, at least semi-professional. Uh, we're gonna make it a little more professional right now. Our buddy, uh, first time talking to him. Happy to have him on. I'll really enjoy his work on uh, Twitter along with uh, Score Golf as well. Uh, Rick Young, president of the Canadian Golf Journalists Association of Canada. Rick, how you doing this morning? Well, Brent, I'm I'm toe tapping here myself to that little uh, tune. So uh, there you go. 
Yeah, hard, hard not to. Uh, plenty of things we want to kick around with you. Uh, I believe you were on the uh, the call this week with the uh, Canadian Olympic team. Obviously, that that's set now. Um, I mean, you know, ever since uh, the golf came back, the Olympics at the last one, it's it's obviously been a point of pride for this country. We were the defending champs heading into the uh, last Olympic Games. You got a couple of veterans back on the women's side, and then on the men, some some fresh faces. But the the thing that stuck out to me is, you know, I don't I don't know how much this will matter or how much it'll carry over to the golf course but I don't know that you could have kind of four golfers that seem to get along better and you know just have a great relationship with one another than than Henderson and Elena Sharp and then of course uh, Connors and Mac Hughes yeah absolutely I mean I mean these guys I mean I mean when you go when you just consider Corey and 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 Mackenzie Hughes and and Brooke together they were on um, Golf Canada's uh, national team program they went through it pretty much together in terms of their uh, age and and that kind of thing I think with Sharp, she's the you know she's the veteran of the of the four. She's been around a while, and her and Brooke are her and Brooke are extremely close friends. I mean, they're very they they're they're tied to the hip um, uh, when they don't play um, uh, when they're off the golf course on the LPGA tour. They they spend a lot of time together. They spend a lot of time together in Rio. Um, they went through the. They went through the book exercise and, and uh, mapping out the golf course really well down there. And, and um, you know, to, to Brooks' credit, she played uh, well. She finished, I, I believe it was sixth. And uh, Lena, not so, no, not as, not maybe not as quite as good. But um, still, I, I think from your, you know, to your point, I mean, these four are, are um, I think they're ready for this. I think they, they want to do this. I think they see it as a really, really big deal. And I think the Olympics at, at some point down the road here are going to be a much bigger deal. They're not right now, unfortunately. I, I think there's still some, some growth opportunity to, to come. And a few of the American players and worldwide players have opted out. But I see it as a mega major at some point, similar to what, you know, like the World Cup is in soccer and that kind of thing. Yeah, and it's interesting that you talk about that, that side of it, because that's kind of where I wanted to go, Rick, is that, you see all these people dropping out of it. I think this year is a little bit more of a, you know, I think there's some outside stuff at work in terms of, you know, the pandemic going yeah. on and you know, having to bubble and all, all this different, all the different aspects of it. But, you know, I think it was Justin Rose. Like, when those guys won, they said that it was like the best experience ever. And like, they were talking to everybody about how great of experience it was. I'm just surprised to see people dropping out of it and not treating it, you know, as prestigious as it is to be in the Olympics. And I think part of that is just simply the. Uh, I think there's there's some uh, uh, there's some money issues here. Um, there, yeah. there, it's always about um, in, in with many players. It's always about the dollars and the, and the cents, and then that's uh, uh, that's the professional realm that that uh, that, that golf deals in. Uh, and the fact that the four majors are what most players consider to be the pinnacle of the sport, uh, I see just what. What I said there, and in, in, uh, you know, to Brent Sam, I mean, this is going to change. This is going to be similar to what, you know, we the three of us know what the golden goal meant to to this country when it come when it came to the Winter Olympics. We we we've been there for that. Um, that was to me as as that goal to me was as important as Henderson's goal in '72. Really, it, honestly, and I think when I when I look at golf. You know, I see the four majors and absolutely 100% that they are the pinnacle of the sport. But every four years, to, to do and, and play in something completely different than, than, your, than your typical 72-hole stroke 
play event where you just you know you go to the golf course and then you 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 go to the hotel and you and and rinse and repeat right I mean I think this is a an opportunity and that's why I think you know Corey and Mackenzie and and you know Brooke and Elaine have already been through it but they're going to relish this again and they're this is going to be part of of who they are they're going to be able to talk to their grandkids and my goodness if they ever get to the podium boy if they could get to the podium what that could mean uh for this country um in in terms of golf would be would be unprecedented yeah i mean this is this is no knock on kind of pick whatever your uh olympic sport is it's like you know think about how nuts we've all got watching guys and girls go down the moguls and i can't remember ever caring about them it's like i actually am invested and care about the game of golf and there are tons of people across this country who feel the same way it just it, it's a sport that just feels like you can touch it a little more and it's like having that that hammer home moment of an olympic medal i i can only imagine what it would do i do think the one other thing that 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 should be looked into to kind of juice it up a little more is, and you, you kind of touched on it there with the idea of, Oh, another 72 hole stroke play event. And right. I'm not opposed to having that as part of it, but it feels like there's a way to mix in a team competition aspect of it. You know, maybe you go, maybe you have like them, the 72 hole event, but there's also a stable for an event going on at the same time. Maybe you throw a skins game at the back half of it. Like it just, or you have just a actual team event. Like that's to, that to me feels like the kind of next step for the Olympics to really unlock it is to not just have Mac Hughes or, or Elena Sharp or Brooke Henderson or whoever playing for themselves, but also as part of some greater team competition. Could you imagine the, could you imagine the, the, the attention that the, a, a team event would actually get um, from, uh, from all of the countries? You know, when you, when you look at our country, could you imagine where, where golf could go if we, if we could see all those four athletes up on the podium receiving a medal you know, in a in a team in a team competition. I look at I, I think I think stroke play is still the the the, um, the best way probably for this to be showcased um, in terms of making sure people around the world understand what's going on. Um, but to to provide an element of, of team aspect to this, I think it's just the, the proverbial no brainer. And I really don't know really don't know why. Um, Annika Sorenstam and the International Golf Federation haven't haven't been more uh, engaged with um, the the uh, IOC on this. Uh, I think it's just another it's simply just another aspect of of the golf competition that would draw more eyes and more attention. So I would really like to see it, and and hopefully uh, once these Olympics um, are are put to bed, maybe that will come up in conversation again because I think it would be great. Yeah, and selfishly, Rick, on the men's side, you know, having Mac Hughes and Corey Connors play in a team event together, it's like the dream p- pairing. The ball striking and the putting, and you put those two together in a team event, I feel like they could really do some damage. Well, you've got, I mean, I think the, you've got the aspect there, too, is where you have a chance to do two team events. You've got the men's, you could do a men's team event, you could do a women's team event, and then you could do an overall um, to as a com- as a combination. So there's there's... There's infinite number of ways that this could this could actually play out uh, in, in terms of a of a of a team aspect and the kind of uh, and the kind of format that you could use. Um, I, I just I just think that that boy, I'm a big Ryder Cup guy, uh, boys. I I think the Ryder Cup to me is still um, I put it ahead of of all four of the major championships in terms of my attention. 
Um, the Solheim Cup is is right there with it. I just think team golf is just the the the, the absolute best aspect of golf that there is. You know, you take that individual competition that we've that you know has been around for 200 years, and you apply a team aspect to it, and and man, there's just nothing like it. Oh, I'm I'm so happy to hear you say that because I I ride and die for the Ryder Cup. It always falls right around my birthday, and boy, I love it when it's here. But there's few things better for me than making a pot of coffee at four in the morning and watching some <laughs> Sunday singles over in the UK or wherever it is in Europe. And and you know what? I do want to move on because I want to talk to you about the uh, the Toronto Golf Survey as well. But just selfishly there to see Brooke Henderson and you know Elena Sharp as well. But Brooke Henderson is one of the brightest lights in the game of golf alone, specifically women's golf, of course. And the fact that she is kind of always on the sidelines for the Solheim Cup, it breaks my heart because it's like just having her involved in those competitions, it feels like it'd be just another kind of star-making well, opportunity for her. So I, I, I'm, I'm so happy to hear you say that. Pretty easy fix. I mean, all they really have to do is just, uh, is just make it North America. Team North yep. America against, uh, against Europe. I mean, just add Canada to, to the United States. Um, pretty simple, um, yeah. and I don't really see why the USGA and 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 uh, and the Solheim uh, Cup committee might not entertain that. I mean, to have Brooke Henderson, uh, who's arguably your one of your most marketable um, athletes uh, for, with the LPGA Tour brand, I mean, I think it's it's just something that they, yeah, you got a lot of history there, but it seems like it's an easy fix. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the only person who would have a problem with that is uh, whoever is the like uh, tenth person on the uh, on the Solheim yeah. Cup points list because uh, <laughs> take a hike. Uh, they'd want to clear out a little room for Brooke. Um, I saw you tweeting up a storm about the uh, City of Golf Toronto survey. I thought that was I, I thought everything you were saying. I, I kind of echoed it as well. I I took the survey myself. Uh, I don't know if it's closed yet, but I, I it certainly to me felt like a survey that already knew the answers they were hoping to get. Uh, what what did you make of the questions that were being asked i guess larger larger picture just the conversation about municipal golf courses as a whole this is this is all posturing this is um this is a lark to me uh, i i feel like you know this is we have to go back here there's a little bit of history here i mean this review by the city of toronto on on the um on, on the five on the five golf courses um that uh, the city operates i mean this has been ongoing for three years now and and the fact that um, the fact that, that only within the last 30 days have any major key go- uh, stakeholder in this game, in this country, have they been consulted on this. And I, and I believe that was God been told that it was Golf Canada. And no one, not, not one other golf stakeholder has been, has been uh, consulted or asked about. What we're talking about here is an actual audit on, on five golf courses. Five golf courses in in a in a uh, um, in a city that has 1,500 parks, and one of the things that I don't I'm really having a hard time even understanding too is because, you know, we have there is green spaces around all five of these parks as well. So the questions that that were asked, guys, I, I think those questions. I think this is just like I said. I think this is just all all a show. Um, process the the um, the Toronto-based urban planning firm that that's um, that's carrying out this audit. They don't have any uh, golf experience whatsoever. How much sense does that make? I mean, a, 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 an urban planning firm 
that's doing a golf audit and have, has no golf experience. I mean, let's try to apply that to, to, with some sensibility to, to what I just said. There's none there. Um, so I don't know where this is going. Um, I don't like where it's going. I think the questions like, like, like you guys are, are pointing out here, they were, they were leading. They're leading everything away from golf. And I don't understand why. I mean, if you're, if you're doing a review of, of five city-operated golf facilities, ask some golf questions. And there was barely any that were put into this. So uh, I'm not sure what the end game here is. I'm supposed to talk to a couple of people on the Toronto City Council here within the next 30 days. And I'm going to try to get a sense for where this is, for where they're coming from on this, because I don't understand. Yeah, and the thing that, that kills me, Rick, is that, you know, these courses that you go out and play, like I played Don Valley a lot, you know, Tam O'Shanter is one of my favorite courses. I played Scarlet Woods on Friday, actually, with my with my fiance, And, you know, it's just, these are the places where it's accessible for people. You know, like there's a lot of courses around the GTA that are very intimidating, would probably cost too much money for people to play. And it's like, if you start to potentially take away these courses, you're taking away a huge faction of golf in Toronto of people that just, you know, they're going to be intimidated by other courses. They're going to be intimidated by other spots. And these are the perfect places to learn, perfect places to kind of just, you know, have, you know, just a, an accessible place for people to golf within the city. And it just, it, I was just so upset with that survey and the way it le- led people into kind of saying that we don't need it. It, it just there's tons of green space in Toronto. I don't know. I, I don't really have a question here. It just I, I was upset by that big time. Well, I think you know I think your your rationale for being upset is justified. And and you know one of the things that I've always said is is and one of my stances on public golf is public golf is the ramp, right? It, it, it this is what this is the first ramp of of what leads to customers for life in the in the golf space. I mean nobody guys nobody just jumps onto a public or a private golf facility and just a private golf facility and just jumps on and goes play. That, that, that's not how it works. I mean, generally speaking, most people they'll go to they'll go to a um, they'll go to a putting green first. Then they'll go to the driving range. Then they might play a couple of holes, you know, late late at night. There's a ramp here. There's a process that in in place, and that's how you build it. And it built it's built through the public system. It's built through public golf courses, just like the five in the city of Toronto. What concerns me even more about this whole audit that Process and the City of Toronto are engaged in is it's being watched. There are, there are cities all across this country that are watching the outcome of what this is all about. Let's be honest here. We have these big, these big parcels of land in the middle of cities, and they're being used for one, for one thing. At least that's the perception. And that's not actually the case. There's, there's a lot of golf, public golf facilities that are, do, that are utilizing the, this, these spaces for other things. The city of Toronto is doing a, a credible job of that, and they don't even mention it in, their, in any of, their, um, in any of these, these virtual meetings or what they're talking about. And what I'm talking about is the United States Golf Association alignment with Golf Ontario and the city of Toronto. They, these guys put it, they put in... Uh, eight cross-country ski snow loops um, back in, in uh, a year ago, and they're, they're, they've, they've done a great job. But it's, a, it's a facility tool that anybody across the country can get. So there's alternative uses already going on with these, with these public facilities in Toronto and public facilities across the country. Why is that not being talked about? Why didn't Process mention that? Uh, you know, during that virtual public meeting that they had two Monday nights ago. I don't know. 
I mean, like I say, unless there's a different end game here, but it's concerning. It, it, it really is, and, and I think the, the whole idea of affordability and accessibility is, is, is massive. You know, you guys were talking about how you're using it um, and how a lot of other people use it, and, you know, you have 15, 1,500 parks in, in the city of Toronto, and, there's, and it's, you're, you're auditing five golf courses. doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of uh, strongly disagree from your boy Rick on that on that um, survey. That there. <laughs> so just clicking strongly disagree, but appreciate you hopping on with us this morning, Rick. That was great. Yeah, Rick, I I, uh, I love the chat, and uh, I I meant to sneak in a question here about you getting getting out with the hickory sticks because I've uh, I've always wanted to do that. Thought oh. that'd be a cool experience, but that just means we'll have to uh, bring you back on another time to hear about that because that sounds like a lot of fun. Rick, really really appreciate the chat this morning. Thanks, Thanks guys. Thanks for having me on. Yep. There he goes, Rick Young, score golf. Uh, that was fun chat. Won't be the last time uh, we talk to him. Mm-hmm. Always love, look, you know, we do love dissenting opinions, but mm. when someone comes on and is like, let me tell you boys how right you are. We are we're not going to yeah. sneeze at that all that often. And guess what? We're right, and so is he. There's a lot of green space in the city. Find ways to do it. There were a lot of things mentioned on that survey. Movie nights, public gardens. We don't need movie uh, nights at Don Valley. Put that. You, at you know where you Scarlet, need movie yeah. nights? One of the 1,500 parks. Have at it, yeah. honestly. Like I think all, there was a lot of things mentioned that sound like great ideas. Why it has to occur at a golf course makes literally no sense to me. Snowshoeing in the winter? Have at it. I don't need it in the winter. Have at it. Do whatever you want Disc out golf there. in the winter. Disc golf in the winter. Whatever you want. Uh, you mentioned Don Valley there. Mm. You uh, you you accomplished a Kevin Na like feat at yes. Don Valley. Not often I say that about your game. I don't know that I've ever compared you to Kevin Na. You're not one to walk in pots. You don't have. Mm, you do have a good hack game, just like Kevin Na. Maybe that's the closest the comparisons ever come. What do you and Kevin Na have in common now, though? We'll talk about it next on the Golf Show here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Sportsnet 590, the fan. Text line percolating a little bit. 590, 590 with your name and location. If you want to uh, hit us up, let us know where you're playing. If you want to agree with us, that's that's always welcome. Or, that's how you get your text, and, Well, definitely definitely that. But also, I should mention, coming up uh, ooh, in a couple of minutes, Sportsnet Today uh, with uh, me and Sam. We're not going anywhere, and we always, always, always want your text there. 590, 590, uh, RoboText will be hot and popping all throughout the show. But couple of texts, uh, golf show related right now. I just want to get to those here. Uh, McKee, you want to read them or, or should I? Who, yeah. Whose diction well, the should fir- we use? The first, the first one I got was, it's no name, which I, I hate not being able to credit you, but it says, I learned how to play at Scarlet Woods. was very important early on. And I want to get back to that after I read the second one. And it says, like most political in- initiatives, one of the, one of the, this one is being led by people that don't have expertise to play a golf hole, never mind manage five courses that's like yeah that's that's pretty well much okay. uh, if i have to if i have to quibble there i'd actually say most political initiatives are probably uh led by people who have played plenty of golf uh, in their life yeah. not this like it's like uh ooh, who's the pre- who's the president uh what do they always seemingly do uh but yeah i uh, definitely see the point just so, had to get in my very crappy joke there. well no it's a good joke and so it was alex that actually texted in and just quickly before i get to my don valley experience i played scarlet on for on thursday or thursday wednesday. Is- Canada today, you were out yeah. there. Yeah, and, you know, I, me and Allie went out there, and, you know, Allie's, she's pretty good, but she's still, like, in the in the learning phase. Like, she's, she's getting a lot better. And we went out there, and we played with a mother and a daughter. The daughter was really young. She was barely hitting the ball, but, like, they were out there. And it's like, if you take Scarlet Woods away, 
you take away that. Like you take away the ability for people to just to go out there and have fun. We had nobody rushing us. We had no, we weren't rushing anybody. We were just kind of playing, having fun, yucking it up. And it's like everyone takes golf so seriously at these other courses. And it's like you need places like Scarlet Woods, Dentonia, Humber Valley, where people can just go and have fun. Like that's a huge part of it. So now, well, hold on. About golf. I, I need to jump in and echo that because Scarlet is a place near and dear to me as well. Like I play a ton of golf with my mother there. It's, it's great. Like, there are just few better ways than to walk around. You kind of feel like you're in the thick of the city. You know, yep. I, I do have to say I got to check Dead Tony off one day for, like, a Toronto golf guy. The fact that I've never played it. Yeah, have you ever played it? Never played it. No, so I feel like that, that might be, like, a, a journey we need to make this summer and, and make it happen. Because, uh, yeah, that's the only one I haven't checked off the list. But you, uh, you were saying you had an experience at Don well, Valley. So I was joking about how I wanted to try and play Don Valley in under two, under three hours last weekend. And so I got out to Don Valley and uh, it worked out perfectly. Long story short, I was supposed to play with a, another twosome. I was on the tee and they're like, you know what, we're going to go off the back. And I was like, okay, see you later. So it's me standing on the tee by myself. Uh, there's a group in front of me on the green. I didn't know. I thought 540 was the first tee off time. It turns out there's one before that, I guess. And, you know, I hit my drive on the first hole at Don Valley, and it's like a green, it's a reachable par five, par th- uh, sorry, par four, but I didn't hit a driver. I just hit my five wood into the mounds in front of the green, yep. if people listening. Anyways. What, uh, let me, let me add just a touch of color there. Uh, it's a protect, it's a somewhat, uh, like you feel like someone might've hit to you, but there is definitely protection there. There's trees you weren't getting. To and like, I landed at the base of the mounds. Like it wasn't even close to the green. Anyways, I get up, I'm by myself, I get up to the foursome in front of me, who are old, four guys, who are, you know, old, and they were pretty crotchety, and I said, hey man, do you guys, do you guys mind if I play through? I'm just by myself, like, uh, I won't hold you up. And the guy looked at me, looked me in the eye, and said, nope, and they drove in their cart, and they drove away. And I... <laughs> nope. I, nope. So, basically... It took till hole five for me to be able to play through them. I was waiting on them every hole. The marshal, I guess, had to talk to them eventually. But it's just that right there is the problem and what people think golf is. You know, it's people are intimidated by golf because they're afraid of people that won't let you, you know, do this or are going to be on your tail, won't let you play through. And it's like, get rid of the pride, gentlemen. You know, get get rid of that. There's there if the golf would be such a better sport. If there was so much less pride involved, people take it way too serious. It's Don Valley Golf Course. It's not your private club, boys. Like, just let me play through. I'm never going to hold you up, ever. I'm one guy carrying by myself. And it's just, I hate that mentality with golf. And that's one thing that we're trying to change. I really feel as though it's just the pride factor of it is a huge issue with golf. And I think you can really kind of try to iron that out. So just wanted to get that in there. And guess what? I got through them, and I finished in 255, Gunner. So I got in under the wire, and I scouted a new beer league D-man for my uh, for my hockey team. I got paired up with a guy in the back nine, and there we go. Uh, is Brent gone? I think Brent is gone, so uh, we'll be hearing more of us when we join uh, Sportsnet today. And uh, yeah, you've been listening to The Golf Show on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and the Sportsnet Radio Network.